Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Thankful to be in yet another service with you all. Thank you so much. It's been a great crowd every single night. I'm not a, I'm not a crowd guy. I just like to see that people are hungry for God, so that's what I'm highlighting right now is the fact that you've been here zealous for Him every single evening, and yet again, here we are. And so I'm thankful for brothers and sisters that are hungry for a move of God. I honor you, and I'm thankful for you. I know that you have given yourself over the weekend, and I know you could have done a whole lot of other things, but this is what you chose to do with your time, and I want to honor you all for that. I love the saints of God. Amen. I love the people of God, my brothers and sisters. Thankful for my, my friends here. I'm thankful for family. Amen. Thankful for you all. Looking forward to being back another time again. And I don't say that arrogantly. I just, I'm at home here, and I love love your leadership. I love this church. I don't speak presumptuously as if I'll ever be invited back. I just, I love you all and I'm thankful. Amen. Amen. I feel that God has a word for the church. This word, I believe, will solidify you. I believe it will take your faith. Sometimes our faith, it feels like it's a fleeting thing. Faith was not supposed to be a vapor. Life is a vapor. Faith doesn't move. Faith is right there, and God wants us to grab hold of it and it anchor us. And I feel that this word tonight will make that happen. I believe that what God has done in my life through this message I'm going to preach this evening, I believe he'll do it for you because you're my brother and my sister. He's no respecter of persons, so what he does for one, he'll do for the other. And I put all my faith in that tonight. Your faith will not be a fleeting thing anymore if you'll receive this, okay? You'll have to receive this and put your faith in this. So with that, I'm not asking that you put your faith in my preaching. I'm going to preach the Bible. I'm not going to get off into my opinion. I'm not going to get off into anything else. I'm going to stay in the book. And that you can put your faith in, okay? Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. How many of you love God? All right, well, this passage is for you then. It says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. I want to preach to you this evening, not yet, but already. I understand that that is a, a bit of a, a quandary that i just given to you, but it is a reality in the Bible. There is a revelation of right now. It's happening right now in our midst, but not, all, not yet, but it has already. Let me help you with this. Heaven hasn't happened yet. You have not been called up yonder yet, have you? But he said his kingdom is now. On earth as it is in heaven. So how can that be? How can it be here but not yet? This is where our faith wanes. I believe in a heavenly reality that is taking place right now, but it hasn't happened yet. But where God lives, it has already. But where you and I live, it hasn't yet. But we have to put our faith in where God lives because it's in his already, even though it's in our not yet. It's going to make sense in a minute, trust me. Would you lift your hands? Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. 
We thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. God, I'm so thankful that you are steadfast. You are unmovable. You are the faithful one. God, you do not wane. You do not move. You are steady. God, I put my faith in you. You see it all. You know it all. And you will know exactly what we will be. So, God, I want to come into alignment with you. I want to be submitted to you. I want to follow you. Because if I do, I believe you're going to lead me right into the calling to which you have for me. Everything that you've prophesied over these great people. God, it is inevitable that they will walk into those things. God, you just need us to believe that. And so, Lord, with this tonight, with your help, God, through your word, I believe that people will put their faith in what you have said over them, over this church, over the church body globally, and over the end times. So, Father, we put our faith in you tonight. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated. There is a scene, if you'll allow me for a brief moment, to just create narratively a passage in the Bible since we don't have all the details. And this is, in the first half of this message, is going to be from my imagination. And then I will get right into what I believe is actually happening. But if you would give me some creative liberty for a moment, I can imagine in my mind that a scene takes place. And it's an early morning scene where there's courageous rays of sunlight that's spilling over the horizon. It's cascading a beautiful blend of golden orange and pink hues over the landscape as the sun begins to rise and night is giving over its shift to the morning. I can hear in my imagination a gentle sound of sheep as they chew the dew-covered ground and one of those sheep begins to let out a gentle ba. As the golden hue of morning and light and sounds of sheep creep through windows, I imagine a simple, humble hut in the ancient Near East. And I can hear the sounds and I can see the light spilling over into a home. To which I see a man rising up from rest and I see him stretching out his arms and an involuntary yawn coming forth from his mouth. He rises up, he grabs his tunic, he slides his head through it, puts his arms through it and then ties a leather belt around his waist. He goes into the main area of this humble hut and he grabs his sandals and latches them onto his feet. Not long after, I can see his precious wife rising from her slumber as well. And she walks up and grabs a piece of loincloth and she begins to wrap quail eggs and meat into it with a little bit of grain. And she ties a, a leather strap around it and she prepares for her morning. And she, I can see her face, she's noticing that her husband's a little off today. And she comes to him, and I can hear her voice say these words. Moses, I know that it don't seem like it's a glorious task to have watched my father's sheep for the past 40 years. And I know you may have thoughts of grandeur because you were raised in a palace. And now you're out here in the middle of nowhere. And it seems like your life was special because you were saved from mass genocide miraculously. And I can imagine it's, it's weighed on your mind that you are going to do something spectacular, but you've been doing nothing but the mundane for the past 40 years. But I just, I can't help but imagine, Moses, that this maybe was all for a reason. I can imagine Moses smiling almost condescendingly and kisses his wife Sapporah sweetly on the lips. He takes from her hand his food for the day, and with a stutter, he looks at her and says, Who are we kidding? I can't be special. I have nothing to offer. I'm no one. 
I had it all. And now look at us. He pushes back the veil that would shield their home from the arid, hot elements that they lived within. He now enters into the field of his labor. He whistles, and not his sheep, but his father-in-law's sheep follow him out to pasture. Nothing special, nothing divine, certainly nothing glorious. Just another day. But the words, I imagine, if they were spoken of his wife, could not escape him. Maybe this was all for a reason. Nevertheless, the task at hand has no respect for our wishful thinking. Life is going to move on and it's going to hammer us and it's going to prophesy to us daily that we're nothing important, nobody special. We're not special. We're not divine. We're not glorious. That's what life tells us because if we were, we would do something extravagant. But we're watching somebody else's sheep after all. So life weighs on Moses. As the hours of the day went by, and I can imagine the sun is now beginning its journey on its opposite horizon, Moses begins the task of herding the sheep back to the home. And he has to get back home so that the sheep can drink water from the well before it gets too late. And as he's walking now, with all of that aside, now I can get into what actually happened, and we can nail it down. Moses is on his journey, and when he does, he hears a sound to which bursts forth into his ear canal, Moses, Moses. He turns aside and he sees this bush set ablaze. And I imagine that there was something intriguing about this not special, not divine, not glorious bush. As it would begin to speak to him, how can this bush be full of flame and not be consumed? How is it still there and not being destroyed? He turns aside to see this great sight and he hears the voice of God calling his name. And I can't help but read the Bible with a bit of humor and imagine that it had to have gone through Moses' mind when he heard the bush speak, Moses, Moses. He stops and he thinks to himself, I've never met this bush. How does this bush know my name? And yet he's intrigued for the next words to exit this bush is, Take your sandals off, for where you stand is holy ground. He would hear in his native tongue, it is kadosh adumah. It is different ground is the word holy. It's uncommon. It's not what you're used to, Moses. This is something different than what you have been dwelling around. This is not your average mundane everyday ground. And if the ground, if the adumah is holy, then the adam can be holy as well. For you were made from this ground. So if the ground can be holy and it's not divine, it's not special and not glorious, then what can you do if you're made in my image? If the bush can hold the flame, what can you do with my glory when it settles upon you? And he approaches this great sight, terrified and in shock. He approaches, and yet more revelation pours forth unto him. As God speaks in Exodus 3, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And the Bible tells us that Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who were in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, and to a land flowing with milk and honey. God had the future established for Israel, and he's telling Moses all about it right here in the present. He said, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Then he drops the bomb on this 
average, not special, certainly not glorious man. He says, therefore, I'm going to send you. I don't know if you know this. I am nobody special. I don't even have my own herd. I could have swore when I was brought into the world I was going to be something special. I could see the hand of God all over my life for I was granted access to a palace that I was not raised within. Only by the hand of God could I be positioned in an Egyptian palace when I am but a Jew. I don't know how I ended up there, but I lost it all. Somewhere along the way, I must have missed the will of God because surely that was the opportunity of opportunities. And now I'm, I'm out here. And it's all probably because of that mistake of killing a man. I, I can't imagine. That has to be the reason why all of this, one mistake, and I'm completely out of the will of God and nothing ever is going to go right for me ever again because I blew it I'm not special I had my opportunity and it's gone I had one chance to live for God I had one chance to get this all right and I blew it and now I'm having to pay the recompense of my error out here I've lost it all with a mistake if that's true Moses then why am I calling you why did I meet with you why did I take my time to leave eternity to come down here to this bush? Why would I even be spending these moments talking? God would speak over him. Tell him, I'm sending you. And Moses responds, because you have to understand, you don't just brush off 40 years of mediocrity in a bleeding moment. You can't help but still be shaped by your own insecurities and insignificance to where Moses says to God, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. The last time I tried to defend one of my brothers, they kicked me out. How in the world? I couldn't even defend one from an Egyptian. How am I going to call out an entire nation of people when I couldn't even do with one? I don't know how this will ever work. I'm a stuttering shepherd to which God does not entertain the complaints or the insecurities. I need to say this and segue for a moment. We have got to learn how to get out of our feelings. Now let me make myself quite clear. Feelings are designed by God. I will not demonize your feelings. Your feelings are a light on the dashboard of this vehicle. And when the feelings go off, it's a light telling you something's going on in your soul. You need to pay attention to what's going on. But don't let the feelings determine your actions, nor your future. Listen to them. They're not demonic. You're not being fake. You're not putting on a facade. You say, okay, I feel these things. I, I'm, I'm, I'm noticing, I'm, why am I angry? Why am I discouraged? Why am I mad? All these things, listen to them. They're not wrong. But then go ask God, what do I do with these things? God did not entertain the feelings of insecurity. For God responds to the question, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And he says, I will certainly be with you. This isn't how, about how you feel. I understand your feelings. I'm moved by your feelings, Moses. I, I understand you feel insecure. I understand you've been doing it what it feels like nothing for 40 years. I'm listening to that. I'm in tune. Did I not already tell you that I have seen the oppression of my people? I'm moved by feelings, and I'm moved by yours. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to 
I'm not going to entertain your feelings. I'm going to feel them but not entertain them. Here's what I can give you. I'm not going to just keep on just like the, the Cajun say, I'm not going to na-na you on the little back there and just burp your little baby. No, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to be with you. That's my response to your feelings. I will be with you. And then he goes on to say this. He says, and this will be the sign. Here it is, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve me on this mountain. Hold on, God. I haven't even said yes to what you're asking me yet. I haven't even responded yet. I'm still standing here at the Kadosh Adomah. I'm still here on the holy ground talking to you. What do you mean that this will be the sign that you have sent me when, when I succeed? When I bring the people of Egypt out, I don't even know if it's going to work yet, God. I haven't, I'm pretty sure Pharaoh's not just going to let them go. I know the dude. I lived there. I don't think he's just going to let them go. What do you mean this shall be the sign that you were with me when I bring Israel out of Egypt and worship you back here on this mountain? I haven't even left yet. How can you be so sure that this is going to work? I haven't said yes yet. Oh, but you have already. You see, where I'm living, I already see you on this mountain. I live in an eternal realm where it's not wishful thinking for me what I'm saying. What is a reality here is I already see the success because I'm the one who asked you to do it. By me giving you the plan, my plans don't fail. When you say yes to my plan, not your plan will, but if you say yes to my plan, it's already a success. You put more faith in the instruction booklet in a pack of Legos that when you grab the instructions, you already have faith. It's going to produce what's on the front of the box. You see the insanity, right? That I have more faith in an engineer than I do in the plan of God. That if God gives me the plan, he says, just follow the instructions. And when you do, all the pieces will fall into place. And it's going to produce what's on the front of the box. I can't wrap my head around having more faith. Because I do. I grab, I like to do Legos with my kids. And I'm a Legos kid and I enjoy it. And I'm glad my, my kids like Legos because I like them too. And it gives me an excuse to play with Legos. And so I'll grab my kids a box of Legos and I sit down and I do the whole thing for them. They don't even participate. I just build it myself. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just, I know it's going to work because I'm following the instruction booklet. Page one, page two, page three. And I don't have a single doubt in my mind, one ounce of doubt in my mind that this thing if I follow the book it's going to produce what I see on the front of the box and I'm enjoying the journey page by page and I can start seeing it emerge and I'm like oh boy it's going to look like a shark in a minute any minute now we're going to have this little castle and I put my faith in that and yet when God comes and talks to me about the end times how's it going to work have you seen the president I don't understand the stress from the people of God. I've read this book. I've seen the instructions. He looks at Moses and he says, it's going to work because I told you it was going to. 
you don't have anything to worry about. But here, I understand the feelings of worry. You can have the feelings of worry. You can't participate with them. What you need to do when worry keeps cropping up, it's telling you, okay, there's doubt in my soul. That's okay. I'm not kicking you aside. Turn and look at the one who's with you, and I'll reaffirm you and say, it's going to work, son. Did you know that when you say yes to the plan, you might still doubt, but when you do, you stop and you turn to the one who said, I'll be with you, and you say, is it still going to work? He's going to say, oh, yeah, babe, it's going to work. That's the Cajun say, oh, yeah, Shaz, it's going to be all right. I got any Cajuns in the room. I know there's somebody from Thibodeau. We talked about you today. Glory adios. That was Spanish. I mean, we're getting all over the place. An insecure Moses. Who am I? I'm not going to entertain that, Moses. I will be. That's what you need to have a revelation of. It doesn't matter what you are. It's what I am. Here's the sign that I'm with you, Moses, when you bring the people out. Little did Moses know that the glory that was being revealed to him at a burning bush was only the introduction to the ultimate plan. There's no way Moses, in his finite mind, could he recognize that the reason why God was so confident about the statements that he gave to him about the future was because God was already looking at Moses in Exodus 19, where he was back at the same mountain, but this time, instead of a bush burning, the whole mountain was on fire. God could look at Moses and say, I already see what's going to happen the moment you say yes and you submit to my plan now there's no guarantee that you'll say yes because I can't make you do anything you still have a free will Moses but if you say yes to my plan here's the promise of the future it's going to happen because you said yes and it's going to happen because it was my plan and when you follow my plan don't settle at this burning bush because if you thought this was cool wait until you see I set this whole mountain on fire don't stay at the bush of justification when I will bring you to the mountain of sanctification. You're, you're right here. For those to whom I called, I'm calling you at the bush. Don't stay here at this bush. Don't just stay locked into the call and live your whole life with these little shots of endorphin. I'm a called man of God. Awesome. Everyone in this room is called. That's nothing to brag about. All of you are called. How many of you said yes to the call? When you say yes to the call, you start to move into different dimensions. And it's not always pretty. You would think that if God called me, Moses or, or Pharaoh is just going to say yes. But little did Moses know when he got to Egypt, the problems would start. And when Pharaoh doesn't want to let people go, that's when you doubt the plan. Oh, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> I didn't tell you about all the trouble. I told you about the end. Put your faith in what I said about the end of the story. The middle of the story is not even, I'm not even worried about Pharaoh saying no. It's going to work. It's going to work. Don't get your eyes on the problems. Look at the promise at the end of it. I've already told you that the sign that I am with you will be when you come back to this mountain with the people of Israel. Moses, take this to the bank. I said what I said. Moses, you don't know this yet, but I'm calling you at the burning bush. But in the future, I see you being justified at a burning mountain. 
And you don't see this yet either, but you're going to be glorified when you come down off the mountain. This is just the beginning. Moses, you started this relationship with me hiding your face. You don't know this yet, but I already see you on the mountain begging to see my face. You are not what you will be. You are at the beginning of the stages. Don't stop here. Don't stop here insecure hiding your face. And Moses, you don't know this yet either, but that past 40 years that you thought was insignificant was all part of the plan as well. You didn't blow it at the moment in Egypt. All of that was a grand setup because you don't know this yet either. When you come out of Egypt, you're going to watch my sheep for 40 years. That's all been training ground. for my, my hand's always been on your life. You couldn't blow it on one mistake because I'm going to follow you and I'm going to ask you again. And I'm looking for the day that you fully submit to me. You keep on making the mistake. It's not going to work out. But you didn't abort my will from one mistake of killing a man. What I'm going to do is I'm going to reinstate you back to the call that I gave you because you're going to say yes to my plan. You're going to turn from your wicked ways and I'm going to make you famous throughout the Bible. You don't know this yet, Moses, but that stutter that you have, you're going to be profound because you're going to write the Bible. You don't know this yet, Moses, but that insecurity you have, it's all going to fade away over time as you see me working with you. You're not going to have confidence in yourself. You're going to know that I'm with you and that's where your confidence is going to be. All of this has been one big setup. My hand's been on your life since you were born. My hand's been on your life the past 40 years. And these past 40 years that didn't feel important, they didn't feel divine, they didn't feel glorious, all of it was training ground for what I'm calling you to do next. And today the page turns. You're about to do it all over again because I was looking for somebody who knew how to watch somebody else's sheep for 40 years. Congratulations. You're going to watch your father's sheep now. This has all been a setup. Why settle though if we know this in Bible? Why on earth would you settle at a burning bush? Why would you settle at a call when we know that the bush gives way to mountains and mountains gives way to faces shining? God was calling Moses at the bush. He was justifying him on the mountain and he was glorifying him when he came down off the mountain. You don't know this yet. You, I'm here to tell you with utmost confidence from heaven. Brother, you don't know this yet, but your face is already shining in the future. You don't know this yet, brother, but the call that God set on you is already happening where he lives. You don't know this yet, but the greatest revival that you will ever preach hasn't even happened yet. And when God calls us, we put our faith in the call. Brother, you don't know this yet, but every single gift that you have been seeking, you will operate in all nine of them at a constant time. You're going to flow in and out of them constantly. Why? Because God set it over you. It's not just random. It's not just wishful thinking. When God says it, that's the instructions. And when you follow page by page, this is what you can count on. The manifestation of Christ, which is on the front of the box, will be in you. You understand? Hear me clearly. Let me be quite plain. The glory that you have felt in the past, it's good. But you don't understand the glory that's coming. You, you have not seen yet what God is going to do. And I am not a hype preacher. You know this already. I'm the guy that sucks all the energy out of the room because I'm going to come in and challenge you. This is a word from heaven that I believe is for the church. You have not seen yet what the truth on that sign. I don't care if you got apostolic on the sign. It makes me no difference what you call yourself. But the true church is following the word of God, saying yes to his plan. You have no idea what that church is going to look like. 
like it's going to be the most glorious thing? Is there going to be problems in the future? You can bet you there is. You can, I can take it to the bank that we're going to have problems with a Pharaoh. But that is only a process that's going to lead us to the greatest fire that will fall. Don't stay in Egypt. You've already seen that a, bur- a bush can burn. Don't stay in the problems because mountains will burn in the future. Don't stay insecure and hide your face from me because someday you'll beg to see my face. You understand that Gideon dealt with the same insecurity as Moses? You understand this. In Judges 6, Gideon is in a wine press threshing wheat. Now, I know that that means nothing to you because how many of you have a wine press and you thresh wheat in it on the daily? All right, that's what I thought. Me neither. But you understand that the proper way to thresh wheat is you go out into the field and you go and you cut it down with a sickle and you take the bushels or the omers is what it's called. It's a bundle. And you take them and you hit them on the ground repeatedly and the gleanings come off the wheat. That's what you want. That's what's going to make your bread. That's what's going to make your grain. And you take the gleanings, but all of the, the, the thresh is what it's called, all of the stalks, you just leave it on the ground and the winds come by and it blows it away. But now the enemy has come into the promised land and they're stealing the Israelites' food. So they have to take all of this food. They've got to cut it down and they've got to do it real secretly. They probably got to do it in the darkness of night. And they've got to carry these bundles and real gently put them inside of wine presses and then go back out and grab some more. In the past, all they had to do was just go out there with L blades, cut it, hit it on the ground, collect it, and the wind took it off. The bottom line is life is harder than it used to be now. And here they are, and he's having to do this inside of a wine press and look over the edge because the enemy was coming and taking their grain. And it's in this context that an angel shows up And says this to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. (laughs) I don't know if you know this, brother angel. I'm in the hole right now. Life used to be way easier back in the day. If God was really with us, (laughs) mighty man of valor. If I was a mighty man of valor. I'd be out there with a sword fighting the enemy, but I'm hiding. I'm a coward. I know it. Israel knows it. My whole family knows it. I'm a disgrace. Gideon says this, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Hold up. Don't quote to me, Egypt. Because somebody with the same feelings you're having spoke to me at that time as well. Didn't it work for them? You're going to quote to me, the children of Israel, Gideon, finish the story then. Finish that story. Don't just get enamored with the plagues and the power of God. You need to remember that Moses was insecure about being called too. You need to remember that he was a stuttering shepherd too. You need to remember that it is written that he said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Don't you remember all that part? All you're remembering is the legacy from the mighty man of God of all his miracles. I'm here to remind you that he was also afraid. Did you know that men of God and women of God could bleed and be terrified? 
What you're looking at with a mighty man or woman of God is not some superhero. You're looking at somebody who spoke to the emotions and the feelings and said, no, I believe what he said. But you still will feel those emotions. You're still going to feel those fears just like everybody else. Why? Because you're a human. But it's those people that say, I refuse to give in to what I feel. I'm going to listen to the last thing he told me. And that's all I can do is keep on walking in the last word that was said. I just have to believe that it's going to work out. He gives all these complaints. And the Lord turns to him and listen to what God says to the man who says, if God was with us, then why all this has all this happened? The angel says, go in this might of yours. What might? I just complained to you about how God has abandoned us. Then the Lord spoke to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? To which he responds, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And God's going to say something familiar. I will be with you. It's the exact same dialogue that we just heard. And guess what? God was looking at him and he says, you don't know this yet. All you know is that you're in a hole hiding from the enemy. But what I'm seeing where I live, I see you on a battlefield holding a sword and I see you with 300 men at my beckoning. I'm watching you at the brook separating and dividing the men up and sending them home because I asked you to. I already see your courage in the future, but you are bound by the feelings of the present. I already know what you're going to be if you say yes. I'm looking at it. The plan's going to work, Gideon. I see you and I'm calling you in the present with what I see in the future. I haven't even said yes to you yet. I'm still in the wine press you haven't yet but you have already what you will be is already established in the future it's already taking place you understand see this is where we get we get frustrated with the reality that God lives in a fourth dimension while you and me are stuck here in this third dimension brother Walker if you can just stretch this tape measure out across the front of this platform if you don't mind let me help you with this you need to get a firm revelation that God does not live here on this planet like we, me and you do. His presence is in this planet, but His heavenly abode and throne is in the glory realm. You and me live in 3D. I know that's blowing your mind right now. I can feel it. And I know you're like, whoa, I didn't know that. But in 3D, did you know the D in 3D is dimensions? Did you know that? I didn't. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you did already and you're way smarter than me. But a dimension is something measurable. Okay, this is an established dimension, and we can nail down that it is 25 feet from there to here. You can see it, can't you? You can see 300 inches. You can see it. It's, it's laid out before us. If you were to take this tape measure and run it from there to there, you'll find another established measurement. There is one dimension. There is a second dimension, and from there to there is the third dimension. That's all we got. There's nothing else to measure here in this life. We can't measure anything else. But if you were to be caught up into the heavenly realms, there's a fourth measurable thing. God has this. He's got this, this. But this right here isn't moving where he lives. In heaven, he's standing right here and he says, I see about 25 years over there. So let's set this down. Walk with me, man of God. Let's, let's go back to the beginning. How about it? Let's go back to the day you were born and let's go there. 
and we say, okay, this is where it all started. This is where I came into the world. Yes, I established it so. I wanted you here. You're here. I, I had it. It wasn't just your mom and dad making some decision. I was a part of all that. You're here because I willed it so. I published you. Your parents just participated with it. And see, let's just let's move a little along. Okay, somewhere around here at six years old, you started feeling something, didn't you? You started feeling a call of God. But then somewhere over here in your teens, you started saying yes to the call. And you started saying, okay. But then somewhere over here, you didn't see anything else happen, did you? You've been living right here in this span of time for what feels like 40 years. And you're frustrated about it. But where I've been living is right here. I'm already where you're going. You think they're getting it, brother? I already am looking at what you will be if you keep walking. I know how you feel right there. But what I see right here, don't stay there. I called you back there. I justified you right here. But over here, you haven't seen it yet. You are going to have glory all over you. Your face is going to shine with the glory of God. What you will be is going to be a glorified version. Don't stay right there. I know you're frustrated. I know that you feel like I've abandoned you All of that's legitimate I'm not mad at you for feeling that I am moved by those feelings But here's what I'm going to do I'm going to be with you And I'm going to walk with you day by day And we're going to get closer and closer God sees it all where he lives God doesn't just look at it and see Oh I don't know if it's going to happen He sees all of the timeline This is what eternity looks like in heaven It's not time that just keeps going forever Time is settled and it's established and God can look at it at all time but God can zoom out further and he can stand right here and he can say I see Genesis over there and I see Revelation over there I'm going to start this thing in a garden I'm going to enter the earth right here and fix it in a garden and then I'm going to bring them back into a garden in Revelation and the fruit shall heal the nations this is all going to work out and I'm looking at it. I got the whole plan laid out in front of me the devil has no access to this because I threw him into the earth where there is time I still live outside of time the devil knows he has what a little bit of time and where he lives he all he can do is get you frustrated in the measurements but I see it all so I've already made up my mind I am going to be slain at the foundations of the earth because I'm not going to lose this game I win it I've already made my mind up that if you walk away I'll get you back because I've made my mind up here to die right there and by dying right here I get you back over there and if all of that works where do you think you are in that timeline it will also work you see, where you're stuck at is you live at the end of the hour hand. That's your home. You're bound there. And here's where our lives are. We're frustrated because we can't go back here and fix the murder of an Egyptian. I blew it, God. I can't fix it. I, I messed up back there. I, I wish to God I could just go back and change it. And God says, here's what I'll do. My blood is also timeless. When I pour the blood, it'll wash the whole timeline. That's what I was trying to preach to you this morning. That when you confess to God, He says, there, I've cleaned up the past. And so we sit here, and now that the past is taken care of, this is what He says, now I have things for you to do in the future. But we fret because we're like, I don't see how. I don't know if you know this, I'm a stuttering shepherd. You, I don't know if you know this, but you're going to write the Bible. But God, I, I can't see it. 
I, I, I'm bound. I can't move into the future. I, I, I'm, I'm trying my best to trust that you fixed that back there, but I don't know about that because I can't see it. Okay, I understand. You live at the end of the hour, hand, but I live at the dot at the center of the clock. I see it all at a glimpse. Brethren, come up here. I want you all to help me. Brother Walker, come and stand right here. Brother, I want you to stand right here. I want you to stand right here. Let me help you with this. I want to prove something to you. God shows up in your Bible, and he meets with Moses. And the same Moses that's hiding his face from God, okay, on this timeline, he's hiding his face from God. He says yes to the call. He goes to the mountain. Guess what day the mountain burned? It was 50 days after they came through the Red Sea. It's the day of Pentecost before it was even a thing. He didn't even know about it. It was 50 days after they came through the water. He, you know what's happening? He's being justified by the Spirit. The Spirit is justifying the one who was called. And he's having this moment. And while he's on the mountain of justification, he says, let me see your face. I want to see your face. Oh, is this the same man who hid his face from me? I'm so glad you said yes to the call. Now I can justify you. Here, I'm going to do it all. Now your face is going to shine with glory. Those to whom I called, I justified. And those to whom I justified, I'm going to glorify. And he goes on a 40-day fast, and he's with God on that mountain. But let's, let's step out of time, and let's go into the future. And let's meet a man named Elijah. Brother Elijah... You're going to have a powerful moment one afternoon where fire falls and you're going to defeat these prophets, these false prophets. And then you're going to get depressed, but then you're going to go on a 40-day fast just like your brother did in the past. And on that 40-day fast, you're going to go yet to another mountain just like your brother in the past. And on that mountain, you're going to hear my still, small voice. He saw my hinder parts. I'm going to let you hear my voice. But you're bound here. You can't go where I'm going. And God's going to say, but here, I'm going to move on into the future. And I'm going to come manifest in the flesh. And I'm going to give myself a name that's above every name I'm also going to have something fall from heaven but it's going to be a voice from the father that says this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and I'm also going to go on a 40 day fast and I'm going to go on a mountain as well and when he goes up on that mountain come here brother come here brother guess who's on that mountain with Jesus in the New Testament <laughs> Moses and Elijah so let me ask you a question was that a reunion where they came back down from heaven to come and confirm God? Or did Moses step out of this life when he stepped into the presence of God? And when he got into the presence of the eternal God, he saw the hinder parts of Jesus in the future. And when he stepped out of that time, he was also with a brother that stepped out of this life as well into the eternal realm. And did Elijah hear the voice of Jesus in the future? Because all three are together at the same time in the future. But when they came back down that mountain, they all went back to their original timelines. This is, by the way, how prophecy works. That when you get caught up into the Spirit... God pulls you up out of this life and he pulls you up into heavenly places and he says, look out there, this is what's coming. But then we come back down off that mountain into our day-to-day -day lives, our jobs, and we're trying to compartmentalize the dream that we had and we're thinking to ourselves, what was that? What was that word that was given to me? I don't understand that. How can it be? I'm still here. Not yet, but already. I'm here. With voice from heaven, 
that you have no idea what you will be if you just say yes, if you'll put your faith in the justification on Pentecost, and if you will allow God to glorify you by changing you through the work of His Spirit. All you have to do is just keep on walking through minute by minute by minute, and you will end up one day, and you're going to stand there and say, oh, He has glorified me. It is His work. I trusted it. But we're fretting over the moments. We're bound by the minutes. We're frustrated with the not yets. But we need to put our faith in the already's. I haven't seen the miracle yet. Don't stop believing in it. If I told you it was going to happen, what's on the front of the box, you will see. But keep walking with me. Here's the best part. I'm going to be with you the whole time while you're walking through minute by minute. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be here. I'm listening to your frustration. I feel the frustration. I know that you haven't operated in that gift yet, but I told you you would. Get to the next minute. Walk to the next hour. Roll it over to the next day. Move into the next year. I'm going to glorify my church. You can take it to the bank. I don't lose. I see it all. I know it all. This is why Paul could say with such confidence to those to whom he foreknew. You understand? He says this. Read it in Greek. It's It's just the craziest passage. He says, to those to whom I knew in the future, them did I call. And those to whom I called, I have justified. And those to whom I have, have already justified, I have already glorified. How can he speak about the future but use words in the past tense? Called is the past tense form of the word. Justified is the past tense use of the word. Glorified is the past tense in the Greek. And he says, I have already in the future done it here in the past, but I haven't seen it yet. But if you trust me, it's already happened. God lives in a fourth dimension that is beyond our time. He sees it all. He knows it all. And Paul got another revelation of this. And he wrote it to those in Ephesus. And he says this to them. He says, I want you to be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, what is the length, what is the depth, and the height. He gives four measurable dimensions to those in Ephesus. And it makes no sense because we've only got three dimensions we can measure here. The depth that he gives Ephesus. I believe, and I don't want to get out of Bible, I personally believe, is time. He says, I see the depth of the call in your life. And what I have called you to do will happen if you trust me. All you have to do is let me walk with you. I will order the steps of every good man. But here's the hard part. None is good, not one. So here's the thing you're going to need. You're going to have to be justified by my spirit. If you'll let me justify you at Pentecost by filling you up with my spirit, washing away your sins with my blood, and let me fulfill the justification, then your steps can be ordered because now you're good. Not you, but the spirit that's in you is good. I can order those steps and everything I need you to do. Here, you don't know this. In the moment when, you, when you're about to veer off the plan, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come alongside you and say, no, no, no. 
Let's, let's walk. Let's walk. In those moments where you're stumbling out of the way, I'm going to say, hold up, hold up. I don't know. i got to order those steps. I'm getting you where I need you to go because you love me, because you are submitted to me. You're not perfect, but the glory's coming. You're not, you're not there yet, but I want you there, and I'm going to walk with you. Oh, you got, you got all the plan? Hold up. Come on back. Come on. I'm going to keep on. Your faith needs to be in his guidance. He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. That's what he told us he would do. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us, and he's going to say, the truth that you don't have yet, I'm going to give it to you in the future. It's already established. I want you to be filled with all truth, so I'm going to guide you there. I'm coming to a close. Brethren, if you can just come and I want to move these back a little bit. I want you to just stand right here. Brother, if you can come and just link arms with them. I want you all to just link arms and just face the congregation, just all four of you right here. God started pump, pushing all this into my spirit. It was about four years ago, Brother Williams. And God has been, this word has been brewing in me. He gave it to me four years ago. And I didn't know what to do with it, Brother Dustin. I'm sitting here trying to figure out what in the world does all this mean. And God's given me all these pieces. I don't preach stuff out of pressure. I just put it aside and I just kept on praying and studying over it. Four years later, this word's been brewing in my soul for four years. God's had me preach it this year. I started moving in and out of it trying to figure out what God was telling me. And it all boiled to a head. But four years ago, here's where it started. I'm flying into California. And as I'm coming into San Francisco... My plane touches the ground, and I could feel prophecy stirring up within me. And so I hurried up, and I got my suitcase, and I went to my hotel in Modesto, California. And when I got to my room, I put my suitcase down, and when that door clicked shut, all of a sudden, I was caught up into heaven, and I saw this vision. I watched from heaven. All these bricks started falling from heavenly places, and they started stacking up real big. And I saw a hand come out of heaven, and it wrote on the wall. It said, Acts 2 Church. And God started speaking to me. He said, I started construction of my third temple in Acts. He said, I was the chief cornerstone. And every brick that followed my plan, God added to the house of God. All of these men of God, the 120, the, the 11 that led to the 120, and then the 3,000s were just a bunch of bricks being piled up into a house of God. But then he told me, he said, I didn't stop there. For I'm building a great synagogue. Come here, brother. My brother, if you'll come here. Brother Dustin. Sis, if you'll come up. I watched, and bricks started getting added to this side. I want you all to just mimic what they're doing and just stand side by side. I want you to join with them. I turned, and I looked, and I saw these bricks falling. Just join like this next to them. We're going to make a wall going this way. I watched as the bricks started getting in and come towards me a little bit more. I watched it, and these bricks started getting piled up, and I watched a hand come down from heaven there, and it wrote on the wall, Great Awakenings. I stood and I said, God, what is this? He said, oh, I'm always going to have a people. I don't care what time of the earth it is. I don't care what time it is on the earth. I will have a church. He said, and the passion and the zeal of the awakenings will be tied to the truth of the gospels that was founded on the apostles and prophets. But it's not going to stop there. He says, I'm going to build myself a church. Sis, if you can come up here. Pastor, if you can come up here. If you're, if you're family, if y'all don't mind, if y'all come up here with them, I want y'all to join here and I want you to mimic them. I want you to get ready. Not yet. I want you to stand right there. Not yet, but already. All right. I want you to just mimic this wall. I turned in this vision and I saw bricks falling from heaven. And this wall wasn't finished. I saw a few bricks left at the top. And when the hand came down from heaven, he wrote on this wall, Azusa Street. 
I turned and I looked and I said, oh my God, you've had a plan all along. He said, oh, this church is strong. He said, if that wall, if Rome couldn't stop a wall, let me give you some context real quick before you, you go off the rails and think that this is the worst time the earth has ever seen. Do you understand what life was like back here? Do you under, Go read some history books about Rome. Nero stood on his balcony playing music while he watched his own city burn to the ground. They would take Christians and put them on light posts, wrap them in clothing, and then set them on fire for street lights at night. That was that church. Every home at this time had the had every man. It was normal for Roman men to have another man that was younger than them that was their homosexual partner. That was normal. You thought that this just showed up in the end times? This spirit, John said, this antichrist has been here for a long time. That spirit was there. And God said, oh, that devil whose time can't affect the timeless God. And that's why the Bible says, if they had known, they would have never killed him. And so he said, if that wall couldn't be stopped, it's gotten stronger when I added a second wall. He said, and if it was strong with these two walls, how strong do you think it is after Azusa Street? He spoke to me and gave me a prophetic word. He said, I'm finishing this wall in the next two years. This was before the pandemic. We were just about to step into the pandemic. And I watched as people started passing away. And he said, I'm bringing the last bricks of that wall home. And he said, and those to whom I leave, they shall be the foundations of the fourth and final wall. You understand where we are in time right now. We are at the end. And God's house is stronger than it's ever been. Guess what you are? You are the end time foundation of the final wall that's going to be added to the house. But you hear me close. If you're going to be a part of this house, this is the true church right here. This is the true church. This is not the one with apostolic on the sign. It's not the one that call themselves Pentecostals. It's the true people of God. If you're going to be the true people of God, you better believe in what they had in this wall. You better pray like they prayed on this wall. And you better have the gifts of the Spirit that they had on this wall because you're tied to a whole council of people that have gone before us and they were added. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Every wall that you've been added to. So you know what God did? He looked and he said, huh, who can I trust with the end times? I'm going to put y'all over here. I'll put you guys somewhere over here. I'll put you in the 1900s right here. But who can I trust with the last hours? Huh, here's what I'll do. I think I can trust you with the end times. Will, will you say yes to glory? Would you, would you like some glory? Walk with me. I'm adding you to my house. Would you like some glory? Would you like to see things you've never seen before? Would you like to walk in holy dimensions you've never tapped into before? Will you trust me with end time revelation and glory? Where's the apostles that I can trust? Where's the prophets that I can trust? Where's the evangelists and the pastors? Where's the teachers? I have placed you in the end times for such a time as this. You're here. You can go about and 
you can just kind of scoff every time a minister gives vision over a church and you can say, yeah, I don't see it happening. You're not part of the church that I am because I will see what will happen because I've seen it happen already. What happened there will happen here. What happened there will happen here. It has already happened in the past. If God had a church at that carnal hour, he'll have a church at this carnal hour. If he had an awakening during complacency, he'll have an awakening during complacency. If he had gifts of the Spirit in spite of denominal persuasion, he'll have a move of the Spirit in spite of denominal persuasion. He's already done it in the past. So I don't point to the future. I point to what has already happened. And we're tied to these people. We have seen it already. So you can scoff and say, that's cute, Brother Holloway. It's really fun. You're trying to pump me up and get me excited about my future. Go ahead. Just stay where you are then. But as for me and these precious people, we're going to be called. We're going to be justified. And I'm walking right into glory. I'm going to get everything he said to me. And I remind him daily, Brother Williams, I say, God, you've given me visions, things I haven't seen yet. You have spoken things to me that I've preached that hasn't happened yet. But I put my faith that has already happened because what you told me you must have seen. It wasn't wishful thinking for him. What he said is what he was looking at. He said, I see A.J. Holloway as my man, and I'm going to show him the end just like I showed Joseph. Joseph, what I said will be, but I'm going to need you to endure the problems in between. But keep on walking because this is all going to get to the place I told you about in the past. Here's where, it, here's where it got interesting. Get ready. I want you all to flood these altars here in a moment. This is where it got interesting. As I'm standing here and I'm looking at all these bricks, I saw the past and God showed me the future. And then all of a sudden a compass came down into that vision and I saw it. It pointed to the east. And I immediately knew, because I've been reading my Bible, that his temple that he built in the wilderness, Brother Dustin, you know this, you entered in through the east. And when you did, you started walking west. And you know what's in the west, don't you? It's the most holy place. It's the place where the glory of God fell. You're not more spiritual than that wall. You're not more spiritual than that wall. You are not more spiritual than this one. We entered into the end times through this gate. And we've been walking west since this started. And where this ends, glory falls. Glory falls on the western end of his temple. We're not more spiritual. It's just our position. It's just where he put us. He said the end of a thing is better than its beginning. It's not that we're better than them. It's because of where we are at the end. He said my glory falls at the end of the house. The latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. Everything you guys have done is to testify to them of what you'll do. Stop worrying about if. Stop wondering about when and just say I'm going to keep walking minute by minute until I get the already that he's looking at. I want you to flood these altars right now. Musicians, get ready. I want you guys to go down and start praying with people. I want you, if your faith has been waning, if you've been doubting, if you've been frustrated, if you've been wondering, oh God, did I blow it? Did I make a mistake and I'm now no longer called? I want you to throw those hands up and say, God, I don't believe that you throw us in the trash after a mistake. God, I believe that you're the greatest recycler that's ever been. Even though I made a mistake, I confess it to you and I want to walk west towards you. God is going to put you in His will. All you have to do is say yes to it.
Come on, there's a deep level of glory here. I can feel the undercurrent right now. I can feel an undercurrent. There's something stirring. I can feel right now something's going to hit in your spirit, and you're going to believe this. I want you to put your faith and just grab it. Don't let faith be a vapor anymore. Grab that faith and say, it is established. I believe it with every fiber of my being that what God said, it will be. Come on, I said there's flames of glory rising up into the heavenly realms right now. Revive right now in your thinking what God has said to you in the past. You haven't seen it yet, but say to him, God, you told it to me. I believe it. Come on, that's it. Moses might stutter, but when God speaks, he doesn't. When God says it, he's not stuttering. He is certain of what he said over you. He is confirming it right now. What he spoke will be. Lift up those hands. Raise up your faith. Would you light that fire right now? Fan to a flame that gift. Faith is one of the gifts. Would you fan it to a flame right now and say, God, I believe everything you have said. I put my faith in it. I bring back to my remembrance the prophetic words you've spoken over this church. I bring back to remembrance the prophetic word you spoke over Missouri. I bring back to remembrance the prophetic word you spoke over America. I bring back to remembrance on a personal level what you said over me. Because God, if I do what you asked me of, then I can see it in my city. I can see it in my state. I can see it in my nation. But God, it has to happen on a personal level. That's it. That's it. Say yes to it. He's spoken over that you would baptize people in your house. He didn't stutter when he said that. He spoke it over you. Go teach Bible studies and baptize people in your bathtub. God spoke it over you. Go walk in it. God said to you that you would walk in the gifts of the Spirit. That has already happened in the future. He just needs us to have faith with Him in the present. Don't get discouraged with 5 o'clock because 6 o'clock is coming. spouse when he spoke to you about your spouse you even saw it in your spirit God didn't lie keep on walking
God spoke to you about that Colosseum over there being filled up. That wasn't a stutter. That was in the future. He just needs us to come into alignment with it in the present. And he knows you believe it. When you put forth that word the other night, God spoke to me. He said, you tell them that I have said it and I'm not going back on my word because I'm not a liar. What God told you will happen. God's waiting on people on individual levels to come into alignment. You, you see, we, we, we freak out when we hear extravagant vision. Stop being intimidated by extravagant because what I have found is when God talks, it's not some little petty thing. Every time he speaks, it's something beyond anything that I could ever imagine. This is the way God talks. When God gives you a vision, it is intimidating because that's what God does. God is not limited in resources. God is not limited in ability. When he speaks, it's always something beyond anything you could ever even think about. What you need to do is say, God, I have seen it in the past. Media, pull up Romans 8 for me. Romans 8, 31. I want you to feel this in your soul. I want this to burrow its way into your emotions right now. Every emotion of doubt, I want you to silence right now. I want you to take that emotion, and I want you to grab it, and I want you to imagine yourself putting your hand over the mouth of your emotion, just saying, stop for a minute. Can you do that? Doubt, silence it. Fear, silence it right now. I have to do this daily, okay? So I'm just, I'm telling you what I have to live every single day. I have to speak to myself and say, you will not think like that. You have to put your faith in what God told you. That's not being fake. That's being steadfast and saying, no, I trust it. I trust it. I don't know if I've ever shared this with y'all. I'm not sure. If I have, you're going to hear it twice. But four years ago, a little over, it was almost five years ago, after our son passed away, I was at home one day. My wife was in Maryland, and I was at my house praying, and I was walking through the living room, and God spoke clear as day to me. And when he spoke to me, he said, Son, I'm giving you another child. It will be a boy, and I want you to name him Ezra. And your wife is pregnant right now with that child. I said, God, why are you telling me this? He said, I want you to hear it from me and nobody else. I said, all right, God, I believe it. My wife came home, and I was going to take her out to breakfast. This was a Friday God spoke to me. I was going to take her out on Saturday to another broken egg. It's one of our favorite restaurants. I was going to take her, and I was going to break the ice to her that she was pregnant. That's what you do, right? That's how you, that's how you operate. I don't know how you operate in, your, in y'all's house, but the Holloway house, that's the way we do things, all right? So she came and sat down on the couch. And I couldn't wait. I, she ruined the whole thing. She said, babe, I got something I got to tell you. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to break the ice to her now. And so I looked at her and said, I already know what it is. She was like, I don't know why I'm talking to you. You're not a woman. Uh, it's going to be awkward if I talk to a woman, though, so let's go back. Just go with it. You're secure. I know you are. And so I told her. I said, I already know what it is. She goes, I don't think you do. I said, you're pregnant. Tears started running down her cheeks. She looked at me, she said, how could you know that? I said, God met with me this morning in prayer. And she said, I prayed on the plane. And I said, God, I don't know how to tell him 
Because it hadn't been long. It was about 11 months after Levi passed away. And she didn't know how I would take it. And God met with me, answered her prayer, was speaking to me. And so we started making preparations. I said, God told me it's going to be a boy. We're going to name him Ezra. And she said, okay. That's what my wife does. She's just one of those type of people. She just, she's very, very, like, she just trusts me. I'm thankful for that. But then week 17 rolls around. We're having complications. My wife starts getting anxious. She starts getting worried. I got a little stressed because it looks like we were losing the baby. By all signs outwardly, she was losing the baby. So she goes in. They do an ultrasound, emergency, 17 weeks. Just if none of you know, I know you ladies know, but I'm going to remind some of you men. 17 weeks, you know the gender of the baby. They can tell you 100% at 15 weeks, okay? We are two weeks past that. So we go in for the emergency ultrasound. They check, and they say, oh, the baby's fine. Everything's good. We just had a sigh of relief. She goes, do you want to know what the baby is? And I looked at the, the, the tech, and I said, I already know what the baby is. You don't have to tell me. She goes, okay, so you know it's a girl, right? <laughs> You've come way too short to talk to me about emotions. Because I fell apart in that room. And you can look at me like I'm crazy. I lost a child, and the only thing I had was the voice of God that spoke to me on a Friday. And in that moment, I knew again, I was climbing out of the hole because I haven't heard God in 11 months. I heard God at month 7 when I started praying to Him what I talked about today, but I haven't heard Him since. In month 11, He spoke something to me that my wife confirmed, and I'm starting to feel like I'm a man of God again. I can hear the voice of God. This is good news. I am the man of God He called me to be. But then I get to week 17, and now part of that is wrong, and I doubted all of what God said. So you've come too short to talk to me about emotions, about doubt, I've been through it. I said, that's my emotions. I started justifying and making all these things work in my head. And I said, you know what? I didn't hear from God. You know, when, when there's intimacy, there is a baby. That's what happened. And God didn't say any of that to me. That's just me just putting pieces together. I thought I heard from God. Maybe that was my emotions wistfully thinking that I'm a man of God. Clearly, I didn't hear from God because if I did, it'd be a boy. Printed that ultrasound, they handed it to me. We went in the doctor's office because we were both crying. They didn't know what was wrong with us. The doctor that's delivered all four of our children, she came in and she shut the door behind her. And she walked in and she saw that ultrasound sitting on my lap. And from about me to Brother Dustin, she walked in. And I went to say, Dr. Eileen, are you sure? And before I could get those words out, she stopped me. She said, hey, Jay, I can see from here. It's a girl. I said, I don't understand this. She said, I know y'all wanted a boy. I know you did. She didn't understand what was going on. She said, I'm so sorry. She knew about Levi. She sent us clothes and everything. She was crying with us. She said, I, I know you wanted your boy. I'm so sorry. But the baby's healthy. You're going to have another girl. It's great. I'm perfectly fine with having a girl. I love my daughter. The bottom line was I didn't know the voice of God, and I fell apart. You've come too short to talk to me about depression. Let me tell you what I did. I walked into my pastor's office and I pulled out my license, UPC, and I put it on the desk and I said, I have no business hearing from God for people if I can't hear from God for myself. I said, I am not a man of God. I'm not preaching this anymore. I'm going to be the best saint in the church. I'm going to go sit on that pew and I'm going to pay tithes and I'm going to support. I'm not called. I'm going to let the called be called. I'm just nobody. Not special. I'm average, certainly not glorious. 
And so I hit rock bottom. I didn't talk for two weeks. My poor wife over there pregnant and her husband's over here sulking like a baby. Call caught up in my feelings. Precious man of God. Brother Terry Schott called me, tried to encourage me. Joe Campatella called me. He was with Brother, Lo Brother Stone King. Brother Stone King said, tell that boy he's called. All that stuff. And I said, y'all are crazy. I'm not called. Finally, one day, my wife and I were driving. We're on a date. We're starting to come out of the hole. We're discussing girl names. And I don't know what happened to me that day. I don't know if it was the Holy Ghost or AJ, but I'm pretty stubborn. I got so aggravated. I looked at my wife and I said, I refuse. We are not discussing any more girl names. She said, oh, you, don't wanna, you don't like the names I picked out? I said, I believe it's a boy. She got, she got big old eyes. She said, oh, God, babe, you're finally coming out of all this discouragement. Please don't do this to yourself. I said, no, I'm going to wait until the baby's born before we decide a name. His name is Ezra, and I believe what God told me. I refuse to believe anything else. I don't know if that was the Holy Ghost. I can't tell you. I don't know if it was me being stubborn. I don't know. All I know is something snapped in me, and I said, I'm going to believe what God said. About four weeks from that moment, my wife calls me. I'm at the church. I'm working. She calls me up, and she calls me. She, I knew she had an appointment that day. She was at the doctor. She said, babe, are you at the office? I said, I am. She goes, stay there. I need to come and talk to you right now. She hung up. My mind went out the window again. I said, we lost the baby. That's, that's that. That's, I know what it is. She walked in. She was crying, and I knew we've lost the baby. She walked in through that door, opened it, shut the door behind her, and I knew she wants privacy. She's crying for a reason. She had an ultrasound against her chest like this, and I saw the white side of it, and I knew that's the baby. She's going to show it to us, and they had to abort it. She walked, and she put that ultrasound down on my desk, and in big, bold letters, it said, congratulations, it's a boy. I looked at her, and I said, babe, how can this be? I said, what happened? Why did the doctors, what? I don't understand. Help me understand this. I'm not a doctor. Did they, did they, and I'm trying to rationalize it yet again. I said, did they mess up on the first one? She said, babe, they don't miss it on week 17. We've done this before. This is our third time. They don't mess up. I said, well, what happened then? She said, I had them check five more times, and every time it came back as a boy. And I can feel some of y'all. Y'all are like, well, y'all probably just messed up. You probably just had a false reading. No, I've showed two ultra, I have two ultrasounds, so you can doubt me if you want to. You need to see the timeline. But I I can bring you to two timelines right now. I have two ultrasounds that I've shown to doctors. I've brought them to doctors, and I bring them. I say, what is this? And they say, that's a girl. I said, definitely, and they said, 100% a girl. I said, then you tell me what this is. He said, well, that's a boy. I said, both of these came from the same womb at the same time, and tell me what that young man is over there. And I bring Ezra up, and they say, that's a young man. That's a boy. I said, this ultrasound that you're telling me is a girl is this boy. How? They look at me and they say, I have no idea. I can't explain it. So I did what any rational man of God would do. I walked away from that office. I went into the prayer room and I said, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. Haven't we been through enough? Why couldn't what you said just be? Back here we lost a child. Here I have hope that I'm going to be a man of God. Over here it's all falling apart and you're not confirming me one bit. And then all of a sudden it's a boy again. God, you're cruel. You're putting me on the roller coaster. And God spoke from heaven, Brother William. 
feelings. This is what he said. He said, I wanted to know if you'd believe what I said, even if all the evidence told you it would not happen. He said, because that's what a prophet is going to feel like. That's what it's going to feel like when you give forth a word. You're not going to have the benefit of someone patting you on the back and saying, that was it. You were in the vein. You don't get that kind of, you don't get that kind of treatment. There's nobody going to come to you and when you give forth a prophecy. That's why we don't get prophecies because we're scared. But if you know the timeline, you have no fear. That's why I can prophesy to you right now with a backbone, without any reservations, without any fear, that you will walk in all nine gifts of the Spirit. That you are going to walk in a powerful, profound level of ministry. I can speak it over you right now because God is showing me things in the Spirit. I've seen it already. I've doubted already. I passed my test. Go past yours. And I can stand over here in the future and I can say, come out a little further. Don't listen to the feelings. Don't fret over the what ifs. Don't look at the not yets. I'm in the already. I'm already seeing it. And so what I do is I say, God, I still got some prophecies left you haven't done, but you did it with Ezra, my little boy. I believe that what you told me will happen. I believe everything God has said. So here's what you need to hear right now. I'll give you scripture now that I've given you a story. What shall we say then to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things this is in context with the opening passage by the way this is the one to those to whom I foreknew them did I call this is the rest of the passage in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am persuaded you need to get persuaded tonight that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come shall separate us nor height nor depth nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a news flash. You win. So I think that you should now, that you've elevated your faith, you should shout, you should begin to dance in the spirit. You should say, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't witnessed what he told me yet, but I believe it. I know what's going to happen because it happened for my brother on that platform. God did it for him. He'll do it for me. God spoke to him. He'll speak to me. God's anointing him. He'll anoint me. God is sending him. He'll send me. God is the same for all of us. What he does for one, he does it for all. So I want you to worship him. I want you to lift up your faith. I want you to recount the prophecies. I want you to stir them up. And I want you to believe them right now. Go after everything God has said. Remember the prophecy spoken over this church. Remember the prophecy spoken over your own life. Stir them up to remember it. Go after it. Go after it. 
glorify you. If he justifies you, he'll glorify you. Keep on walking till you see it all. Brother, God has spoken some stuff to you. He said some stuff to you. And there's been moments where it hasn't happened and it has frustrated you. And you have even wondered, I'm not a man of God. And you have felt like a, fa a, a facade. You have felt like a fake. And you've, you've even had thoughts. I don't know if I'm even called. Do I, am I a fake? Do people think I'm a fake? I've said these things over a congregation. It hasn't happened yet. God, I need you to do it because they're not going to think I have faith. Everything you have said, you've heard from God. You and your family are walking in the anointing of God. I want you all to lift your hands right now. God is for the both of you. God is walking with both of you. God's hand is upon you. When you said yes, that was it. He's going to lead you into everything he has told you that he will lead you into. Don't be frustrated. You are not a fake. You are not a facade. You are a man of God. All of that is within you, and you're going to walk in glory realms. The glory that is coming cannot compare with what you have already felt. The dimensions of glory you have walked in, you're going to walk in deeper.